This week, we're in the Chicago suburbs at the 13-acre property of Football Hall of Famer Brian Urlacher, a fixture of the Bears his entire NFL career. His departure was a tough one. I was so mad at the way it was handled, and I thought it was just wrong the way it all went down. You wanted to retire a Bear. A Bear, yeah. Throughout his 13 years in the league, Urlacher faced criticism of his style, personal loss, and a perceived rift with his quarterback. Out of all the teammates you had since you retired, who's the one person that hasn't called or texted? <laughs> yeah, well, I did, I, I did not hear from Jay. Out of all the guys I play with. The Bears' favorite opens up about that relationship, as well as his take on the media and the NFL's continuing concussion debate. You're deemed up for a second, and the NFL may deem that as Oh, that's concussion-like symptom. You're out. You're done for the game and the next game. When in reality, it was just like, oh, man, it happens. It's football. All that's coming up next right here on the In-Depth with Graham Bensinger podcast. So tell about this intense uh, July 4th holiday basketball game that you have. Well, we started playing. I put a sport court in at my house here probably two or three years ago. And we started playing. We played actually played dodgeball one year, and then we, and then we got moved into basketball later on. But we... You know, the old guys play, I'm old now, so we get all the old, um, yeah, and my friends right. are all old too, so we play a little three-on-three. Three. We can't do full court anymore because <laughs> we just can't run. We play a little half court, three-on-three three before everyone gets there for the for the big day. And uh, every for, year... For being so old, you guys uh, rough each other Every year someone good. gets hurt. Every single year. For five years in a row, someone's got... One year I blew up my hand with the firework. My brother got <laughs> stitches one year. Our The Tim Bream, my old bear's trainer, busted his calf, popped his calf one year. Last year, a guy got stitches in his head and someone popped his Achilles. And then this recent year, uh, Bryce blew his Achilles out. Yeah. Every year. And then oh, someone busted his nose two years ago as well, playing basketball. It's unbelievable. Every year. What, what do you guys do? You're just... We're just boys. Nailing each <laughs> We're other? We're boys. No, we play. You know, we, we get out there and you start competing. Um, the sport court, one of the guys ran into one of the poles in the sport court and split his head down the middle. He was the first blood on the court, so that was cool. And then about two days later, someone <laughs> broke their nose on the court. So and we're big, we're big, we're big <laughs> so kids, cool. and when we play, we compete and we play hard. But it's it's fun. But it's just I like it when other people get hurt and not me. Yeah, I was yeah, talking to Bryce, your close friend and agent. Yeah. He's and as soon as it happened, you're like, oh yeah, you blew out your Achilles. Get off the court, yeah. Oh, he, well, he he yelled something out. He goes, he goes, you kicked me or something like that. And there's no one around him. So I knew either he popped his calf or he blew his Achilles. Those are, those are things that happen when no one's around. And he thought it was you, right? He thought it was our buddy Eddie. It okay. wasn't Eddie. It was nobody. But he thought it was Eddie, guy who was on his team, kicked him or uh, tripped him or something. And then I said, you got to get off. You just blew your Achilles. And, and to give us some context, I mean, that's he's going to be recovering for like 12 months. It's a, from... It won't be full, full go for 12 months. That's horrible. Yeah. That's one of the worst things you can do. <laughs> right. you know, he, well, Bryce is 43 now. So he played five minutes into the game, he heard it. That's the bad thing, you know. We had, we had to get a replacement for him, and it was bad. So I understand you're a pretty big prankster, and I wanted you to give us some insight into some of the things you do. So a few mm-hmm. that I'm familiar with, uh, the water balloon attacks. The water. <laughs> I have a store of water balloon upstairs in my in my bathroom drawer somewhere. No one knows where they are, but they're hidden up there. And uh, we'll go, I have a balcony off my room, so we'll go up there and just bomb people off my balcony. It, they're lucky it's not eggs, because most of the time. When my brother's out there mowing, I'll just grab like four eggs. I'll try and I'll sneak up on him and just start bombing him with eggs. You get him? <laughs> I haven't hit him yet, man. Okay. I can't get close enough to hit him. Plus, I don't. It hurts. I got hit in the back of the head with an egg, uh, <laughs> or in the back, right in the back, about two weeks ago with an egg when I was out there trying to start the fire. Uh, I have a fire pit, so I was trying to start a fire in the fire pit, and somebody blasted me in the back with an egg, and it didn't feel good. So I just try and land them around people, okay. so it scares them, and it works pretty good. They still get scared. How about the cold water in the shower? That's a good one too. It's now it's different. It's hard to because the new showers you can't they don't open up the top. They all they all have doors and stuff, so you can't really pour it over the top. But when we were kids growing up, my dad, I mean, if you weren't paying attention, you were getting a glass of cold water poured on your head. You know, every day he would get us, and we, you know, we used to get my sister. And um, my first house when I lived here in Chicago, the door it had the regular shower. You could pour stuff over the top. Mm-hmm. So we get people. We got my buddy with snow one time. We melted some snow and threw it on him. It was great, man. How about the uh, stop and scream on the highway? That's the best one. If someone falls asleep on the car, when I see them not paying attention, we just hit the brakes and everybody screams. What do you do? Scream loud. What do I do when I'm driving? Laugh. <laughs> you know, you could tell my brother and I have a little system we'll, like make some alcohol or something, and then we know what's going on, so we just hit the brakes and scream. And the, kid, the kids don't even get scared anymore. They, they're just like, nice try, Dad. You know, you got to get some new people in the car to make them scream. I had a buddy one time, we broke, we had a camera in the back. You know, they have the TVs with the DVDs in the back. Yeah. yeah. 
he was sleeping in the car and my buddy hit the brakes and he, he broke the, uh, the TV on the back of the car, on the back of the, uh, the headrest. So we've had some good ones. Did you really once wait a half hour in the, in the past few years, half hour under your brother Casey's bed to scare him? That was like 2004, it was up here and, and yeah, but I did do it. I, I asked him when he was coming home, trying to act like I was checking on him and then I crawled up under his bed. And I watched him brush his teeth. I watched him go to the bathroom. He was in the in the, in the uh, bathroom, and then I hid under the bed. And then he got in bed. I scared the crap out of him. What do you did? He's yeah, screaming. You yeah, he got scared. I mean, what would you do if you thought you were getting in the bed and no one was in your room and someone jumped up on you and scared you? I've done that. Play, I mean, there's been plenty of times where I've scared him like that. You know, I used to always call him, "Hey, man, when are you gonna be home? You know, when are you gonna lock the door, set the alarm. I need to know so I get a time when he's gonna be home so I can know when to go into his room and get set up." Anybody uh, ever get you? I've been gone. It's hard to get me because. You just can't scare me. I always feel like someone's <laughs> trying to scare me. That's why, because I'm always on edge. Uh, I have been scared. My kids scare me. I think people get me on accident most of the time because I'm not like, I, but I'm really not paying attention. They'll get me. But for the most part, I feel like I'm always on edge because I feel like someone's always trying to get me. Uh, tell about the bet you made with your brother Casey that he'd be unable to shoot under a 130 <laughs> oh. playing by USGA so golf. I remember rules. at a golf course over here called the Merritt Club, and we went out. This was God. This is a Super Bowl year. During training camp of the Super Bowl year, we made a bet that he could not shoot un under 130 playing by USGA rules from the tips. Um, the bet was, I bet him like $15,000 that he couldn't do it. And we had side bets with guys in Vegas. We had, started, we had people calling in making bets. You serious? And the bet was if he loses, he has to shave an eyebrow and let his hair grow out for 18 months. One eyebrow and the hair grow out for 18 months. So he has hair, and we were both bald. So that was the bet. Um, the first hole he had, too many clubs in his bag, two-stroke penalty. <laughs> but we told him, you know, he's, if we didn't tell him, he'd have had two strokes every hole, but we told him he was so pissed. So he took the club out of his bag. Um, he, uh, he ended up shooting like 57 on the front, which is good if you're trying to shoot 130, 57 is pretty good. He, was put, he had a caddy. We had like seven carts out there, and he was the only one playing. So we were all yelling, right? We, he hit a shot in the water. We'd all start screaming, you know. Uh, and it ended up coming down to uh, 17 and 18. I think he made it an 11 on 16, uh, 10 on 17. And I think he had to make a 9 or better to win on 18, and I think he made so He ended up shooting 127. So he was shaking. Like on, he's left-handed. He's backwards. So he's shaking putting on 17 and 18. I mean, it, was, it was unbelievable. He was just trying not – he hits a big slice and he's left-handed, so it goes straight left. He was aiming 60 yards right of the fairway, just trying not to hit the ball in the water on a couple holes. It was one of the best days of my life. <laughs> it was one <laughs> But you lost the bet. I don't care. It was worth every yeah. penny of it, man. It was so funny. And the side bets we had going on with the, our buddies in Vegas, people calling in, checking to see what he was doing, where he was at. And then him, the interaction between him and his caddy, the caddy told him, just aim as far right as you can so you don't hit it in the bunker, you don't hit it in the water. It was just, it was awesome. We had, we've done a few more like that, but nothing as intense as that one. Now he's a lot better, though. Yeah. We played there, I think he shot 122 or 123. <laughs> oh, he never plays, man. The guy's working, he's busy, and he didn't. He doesn't get, get out as much as I do. You, you think he would have followed through if he lost? 100%. Well, we, we had one a little bit later, and he lost, and he had to grow his hair out for six months, and he grew it out for a month. I said, you've got to cut your hair. He, his, his, his hairline starts back here. It was like Bozo the Clown. I said, dude, you've got to cut your hair. Man. It was during training camp. He came up to watch practice. I said, bro, you've got to cut your hair. I can't even look at you, man. It's too funny. And he doesn't wear a hat. Like, I wear a hat every day. He never wears a hat. So I said, Casey, you've got to cut it. It's, it's too long, man. <laughs> he looked funny because we haven't had hair since we were kids. So you're a big, intimidating dude. I mean, 6'4", 250. Uh, tell about this uh, barbed wire oh, tattoo that you have. I got it when I was 18 years old. I don't know why I got it. I, I was a skinny runt back then, too. I thought maybe I thought I was tough. I got it the spring of my freshman year in college. So uh, tell about why it fails to go all the way around your oh, arm. It, did, it used to connect right there, and then my arms got bigger. Oh, really? That, no. <laughs> I, 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 just, I, I, I was told no. something. I, uh, I, it hurt yeah, like I hell. Like it, hurt, it hurt like hell, man. I, uh, I was, he was getting in there, and I was like, he goes, it's going to hurt. And I was like, all right, cool. And he got closer. I said, I don't want it anymore. Just make it look cool. And he made, if you look, it makes it look like it connects and goes into my skin right there. No one ever sees the inside. You're not supposed to. But... Um, it hurt like hell. I was only 18, you know, I wasn't very tough back then. <laughs> so I, uh, I didn't get it finished. I want to talk about some uh, notable moments from your career uh, and just kind of get what, whatever comes to mind, what okay. you recall from starting with 1995, you're playing for uh, Lovington High School yeah. Wildcats. But let's go back before the championship game, uh, Court, or Kirtland Central, yeah. uh, an opposing player 
takes off on a like 45, 50 yard breakaway run down the Opposing, field. He was also one of my teammates at UNM after. He oh, got, really? Yeah, I played with Jake, Jake Cockles. He played, I played with him for three years at UNM after he got done. Sorry to interrupt your story. Oh, no. So yeah. what, do you, what do you recall? Take her oh, from I just, there. He took off. He broke free on the sideline, and I, ended up, I took a good angle because I wasn't very fast back then. I took a good angle, and I stripped him, and then we got the ball, and we got possession of the football. And wasn't that, that was the kind of play that? <laughs> well, it beat him thirty-three to seven. So I don't know if that was a huge play in the game, but it, you know, it, it was. A, it was a close game early, but we ended up pounding them late. You know, we just um, we were good, man. We were really good. We had so many good players in high school. Good for us. You know, New Mexico football is a little different than most places. We don't have a lot of players, but we had nine or ten really good football players, and they all we all played both ways. Because if you're a good athlete there, you, you can't come off the field. But. Um, uh, yeah, it was where I played with Jake. Jake and I talk about that play when, when we were in college together. You didn't come off the field in college, though, either. But uh, I, Last year I didn't. Oh. Uh, uh, but uh, <clears throat> you mentioned the state championship game. Uh, mm-hmm. Still 1995, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, uh, I think 3A state title. Yep. You're Lovington Wildcats, right, trying to go for the perfect record, which yeah. ultimately became the best record in the program's history. Yeah, school history. But uh, the acrobatic interception. Yeah, uh, we're playing Silver City at home. And they actually scored first. I think we were playing cover three the first, and the dude caught. T- I think it was on my side of the field. He caught a touchdown. I, I won't now. I'll say that, but I don't, back then I wouldn't say it was my side of the field. They caught a touchdown. I'm kind of in my zone, and then uh, there's a couple of plays later. I just they threw it over the middle of the field, same coverage. And I just jumped up and just tipped it to myself and caught it and fell on my back. It looks a lot better than I just explained. <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, that, it, for back then it was cool. It was a cool high school play for me. Um, but don't people in the town still remember that play? I mean, that's one of like the story plays. It's, in the it was one of my favorite of plays I did in, had in high school. You know, um, I had zero picks my whole senior year until the playoffs, and I had four. It's so weird. I had, through through eleven games or ten games, I had zero interceptions, and the playoffs I had four. Just you know, that's how that thing they come in bunches. It was even back then they came in bunches. So, um, and I had one one more layer in the game too. So I'm excited about that too. Pretty cool to win the. State yeah, title. you know, it was cool. We won the state championship that day. Basketball season started. That was their first basketball season game. They were in a tournament. So we won the state championship that day. Got on a bus, drove to Denver City, Texas, played. We didn't play. There was four of us. We sat on the bench for our basketball game that night. Drove back and went to the dance that night. The there football you go. celebration dance. It was, a, it was a great time. It was a big day for us. Uh, <clears throat> how about 2006, uh, Monday Night Football, Cardinals-Bears, yep. 26 tackles. Yeah. And the one I remember is the one I missed. <laughs> Anquan Bolden caught a little, uh, like a little stop route, and we were in cover two, and I'm, he shook me. Missed, missed, I missed tackle. He scored a touchdown. That was my. We have, we have a grading system. Our coaches, Coach Babich, graded me, and I had 29 chances to make plays, and I was 28 for 29. And that was the one I missed. So and that's the one that's you the best, But that's the best grade I've ever had, but it was a missed tackle, which they scored a touchdown well, on. Well, it's interesting you say that because your high school coach was quoted as saying, like, when, in some article when you were going to college, that Brian could end up having a Hall of Fame career, and it'll be, at the end of his career, he'll be thinking about what he could have done better. Exactly. I mean, so is that right. kind of... Yeah, you, you know, I think that was a great game. The best thing about the game is we didn't score an offense on touchdown, but we won the game 24 to 23. You know, we had three... Two touchdowns on defense. Hester ran a punt back for it, and we kicked one field goal on offense. We had, we turned it over six times on offense, and we took it only two takeaways on defense. But we ended up winning the game. Just uh, incredible game, you know. That just I think a tribute to how good our team was, not just offensively, defensively, but our whole team was good that year. Well, you were unable to win the uh, 2006 Super Bowl, yeah. uh, the NFC Championship game. I understand that, you know. That's hold, my favorite a- moment, you know, uh, from my career, a single game, just because. It was in the fourth quarter. We were up. We beat the Saints pretty good. I think it was 39 to 14 or 15, something like that. And about halfway through the fourth quarter, it started to snow. Not a lot, but it started to snow at Soldier Field. December, or it was January, you know. That's how you want it. You know, you're at, you're at your home field. You got the NFC Championship on the line. And it starts snowing right there towards the end of the game. It, it was, and we're, you see the picture. I'm holding the trophy up. And uh, it, the snow's coming down. It was, it was awesome. The house trophy, you know. How, how about the um, <clears throat> most satisfying moment? from your career? The most satisfying moment? Oof. That's a tough one. Um, I don't, that's a, that's a hard one. The exciting one, obviously, is winning the, the MC Championship. The most satisfying is probably coming back after all the injuries I've had. I mean, I had a few injuries that were, there. I, I had a wrist, that I had neck surgery, um, busted my knee up uh, late in my career there. Just, I think being able to come back from all those injuries the way I did, you know, to, to work through the off season and get ready to come back, 
was probably one of the most satisfying things. And really, yeah, I mean, it's it's hard coming off injuries. You know, you just don't know. I pulled my hamstring a couple times. It's hard coming back from that stuff because you don't know how your body's going to react. You know, I, I was never hurt in high school, never hurt in college. My first five years in the NFL, I wasn't hurt. Now I started little things start popping up, and um, like I had some major weird injuries. Like my wrist was dislocated, my wrist tore all my ligaments in there. Uh, neck surgery, I had compartment syndrome in my leg. Uh, just some weird stuff. But uh, the way I was able to come back from all those injuries was, was pretty cool to me. Was there one that really sticks out the most? Um, probably my wrist, because there was, I mean, it, it was a pretty significant injury. I did it the first game of 2009, which is frustrating. I missed all the rest of the season. And you were shocked when the doctor told I you was. that you, know, I did you it. were out for the I said, season. man, Tim, can you wrap this tighter? <laughs> I came off, I said, I think I sprained my wrist or something. And he, he came off and he wrapped it up tight. He said, we'll get it at halftime, we'll look at it. Took an x-ray at halftime. I ran back on the field, I put a brace on, I was ready to go back in, and then he, came, he goes, you can't go back in. I said, why not? He goes, you just can't go in. You dislocated the lunate bone in your wrist. I said, so what? He goes, well, there's a good chance all your ligaments are torn in your wrist. And you, if it, something about it pressing on your nerve or something, it could damage. I said, okay, I'll stay out. <laughs> so I sat on the sideline the second half, and, and, and then I ended up getting surgery when we got home after the game that night, and I missed the whole season. That's a bummer. It stunk. That was the most disappointing one in my career. When you're on the field before a play, what do you see? Before a play? Like, Right when we break the huddle, or when uh, we're in the huddle? right right before the the play starts, like after yeah, while well, I'm huddle, lined up, when uh, you're lined up, I'm looking at my key. Number one, I'm trying to get the close call, close left, close right, uh, see if there's any adjustments I have to make, checks um, that that need to be made before that, and then I focus in on my key. You know, uh, we have a key every play, whether it's the tailback, fullback. We don't, we don't look at the quarterback. Our system, we we looked at either the fullback or the tailback, depending on what the coverage was, and I just try to zone in on my key. I see. More than that, I see the quarterback, I see the guards and the center, but the, my key is what I'm trying to focus in on for the most part. What are you thinking about? Um, I don't think. Okay. I just react. How, how much, because I remember reading you, you worked on this early on in your career, how much have you had to work on concentration, like over the years? Um, concentrating during the play? Yeah. It wasn't hard to concentrate. I mean, you can't, you don't have time. You have to just... Relax. I think once the ball snapped, all, all it is reaction. You know, you're just trying to get to the football and trying to, to run through the right gap or do your pass on somebody. I mean, concentration to me is trying to, is between plays, trying to get everyone lined up, trying to get. I mean, once the ball snapped, none of that matters. You can't. I mean, the plays you're into the play. You know, you, you do your job, and it's all about playing hard and playing fast. How quickly are you able to put a bad play behind you? Like that. <laughs> I yeah. had enough of them. So Even though you'll focus on it, yeah. like that's what you'll Afterwards, remember from the that's game. That's why we have film sessions. That's why we have we go back and critique ourselves and our coaches grade us. But when the play's over, I'm done with it. You know, and that's, I hope that I hope most guys are like that. Most of our guys on our team are like that because you don't want it to keep happening over and over. As long as you don't make the same mistake two or three times. It shouldn't be an issue, but I, I, once it happened, I was done. I'd imagine this has been seemingly frustrating for you. The one criticism that, for whatever reasons, carried with you from college through the NFL is this perceived lack of physicality, basically yeah. that you don't scare opposing players. Mm -hmm. Where do you think that came from? I don't know. I don't get it. You know, you look at the film, you look at... I mean, I, I got off blocks. I got. Do, do you off, scare guys, Brian? I could give a crap. I can tackle guys. I know that much. I can get, if you throw me the football, I can catch it. Um, I don't get that. Maybe because I'm not a jerk. I think I, I think um, you know you'll see me tackle guys and help them up. You'll see me you know slapping hands, whatever. I'm not going to be a jerk when I'm out there. I never have been. There are times I get pissed off and I'll and I'll get a little testy, but um, I'm just not. Um, I'm not going to try and go out there and, and intimidate people. Win by intimidation. You know, I'm not. Gonna, that's never been my style. I just try and go out there and get the job done, either athletically, mentally, or whatever it takes to win. You think you intimidate people? I could care less. Like I said, yeah. you know, I really don't care. Um, um, I think people get a different perception of me in the media because of the way I, I speak to the media. Because people don't understand. We see the media, the same guys in the media room every single day. So they ask the same questions every single day. And it gets annoying. So people probably see me on TV going, yes, no. Maybe, you know, I look like a real jerk on TV, but I'm not that way at all. You know, I don't feel like I, maybe I am to those guys, and they probably don't like me. But, you know, can't, like, can't make everybody happy. Yeah, right. But uh, I... I uh, it just it gets monotonous with the same questions every day and every week over and over for 13 straight years. You played multiple positions, as you mentioned, high school and college. You played, uh, you know, safety, wide receiver. You returned punts. I think uh, in uh, in college you led your team in conference uh, or yeah you led your team in conference and tackles you led the team in touchdowns your senior year and yeah. that's after leading your team conference in the nation in tackles the year before w what do you think 
you gained from playing all of the positions that helped you later on? I think it let me be a football player. That's the thing that people ask me. He goes, why, what did you play in, football, in college? I said, I was just a football player. My coach didn't put me, I mean, I played uh, defense. I played safety, offense, receiver, but I played every special team. I never came off the field. On, I mean, I played kickoff, kick return, punt. I was a gunner on punt team, a punt returner. I covered kickoff. I did everything. You know, my coach let me be a football player. And I think I just go to show you how bad we were, though. <laughs> we had no, I mean, if I'm returning punts for our team, that's not a good thing, you know. Uh, but, you know, I really enjoyed it. I was, after games, I was beat. I was, I was, you know, I was 20 years old, but I was beat. And, and but I, I wouldn't change it. It was a lot of fun. I got a chance to do a lot of different things. And like I said, I just got a chance to be a football player, not just a linebacker or just a quarterback or receiver. I did everything. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and not only did you play many positions in football, but you also played many different sports when you were in high school. You played baseball, you ran uh, track, you were mm -hmm. all district in basketball. In fact, two of your friends told me they thought you could have had successful, a successful NBA career had you chosen to pursue yeah. basketball. But um, <laughs> I, I guess just speaking to your work ethic, in high school, how often would you be in the gym come 5.30 a.m. lifting weights? See, I was lucky because I had a high school. Coach Ken Young just kind of took my brother and myself under uh, under his wing when we were young, I think eighth or ninth grade. And he was always making sure we were in the, I mean, in the weight room. In the summer, we were in the weight room, always lifting. No matter what, whether it was football, basketball, baseball season, track, we were we were lifting. You know, he was always checking on us. It was nice to have someone look over. My parents didn't push us to anything. If we wanted to do it, they, they were, we finished it. If we started it, we finished it. But they didn't push us to do things, but you know, 5.30 came early a lot of a lot of days in high school. And we, we'd go in there, we'd, we'd drive from our house to the gym, and then we'd go eat breakfast at Coach Q's house after we lifted, and then we'd go to school. Why'd you do it? Because I liked, I, I felt like I needed to get better, and it, it, it was a routine for me. I just, I got so used to doing it that I didn't know what else to do. And I didn't have time after school to work out because I'd have other sports to do. You know, we'd have basketball practice, and then we'd have schoolwork or your girlfriend, whatever. You know, we had a lot of stuff going on. So 5.30 in the morning was the best time to get it done. There was nobody in the weight room. You know, there's there eight or ten of us in there, and we'd do it and get it done. And 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 even through my NFL career, I wanted to work out early. You know, I'd get to the, I'd get to the facility at 6.15, 6.30 and work out before we started meetings every day just because I wanted to get it done early. What did Coach Q mean to you? Coach Q showed me what it was like to be, he just showed me how to be a man, I think, number one. He was a great father. He was a great, my, my parents are awesome. My parents, my dad was a hardworking man. My mom was a hardworking woman, and they did a great job of, of guiding us. But they worked a lot. They didn't have a lot of time to, to kind of get us in. They didn't, they didn't miss any of our games, but they didn't have a lot of time to, to do stuff with us. So Coach Q kind of guided me in the right direction, just showed me how to, to, to work out, to, to put work in, um, and just kind of do the right things, I think, kind of kind of guided me in the right direction. You kept a pact with your best friend, Brandon, in high school yeah. that you guys would never drink alcohol. We did. I, I think uh, we broke that. That We didn't last very long, actually. No, okay. Once I got to 21, or oh, I'm sorry, go finish your part of the story, <laughs> then I'll tell you my. <laughs> oh, sorry. So when yeah. did you break it? So I think through all throughout high school, we didn't drink. Okay, well, there. We never drank in high school. Okay. That, that well, that, that, that's, we weren't going to drink in high school. Um, you favor chocolate milk? We drink chocolate milk. Uh, we cruise the main street up and down either in his shadow or my Chevy Love pickup truck. His, the shadow had no shocks. It just bounced the whole time. It was great. And the Love had four gears and I think it was like 45 miles an hour. It was great. We had some nice cars back then. But we drive up and down looking for broads, drinking our chocolate milk. It was great. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And the first time I had a drink was my spring of my freshman year in college. And I threw up so bad that, that I didn't drink again for another year. So, well, there you go. Yeah, so at, it, least it was, you, at least you made it, it through high school. It was a bad experience. It didn't take much to get me but in that direction. But on, on a serious note, why do you think you were so self-motivated at an early age? I really don't know. I just loved sports. I loved being involved in stuff. I liked working out. I, I was a, a weight room junkie. I liked being in the weight room. I liked being in the gym. Being uh, I, didn't, I hated running track, but I did it every year. <laughs> you know, I, It was my least favorite sport. But every year I ran track, and I don't know why. Because I, I knew it made me better for football. That's why I did it. Because I knew I could I could have played baseball. I could, but I, but I I chose to run track, to run track actually, <laughs> not ran, but run track, just because I uh, I knew it made me better football player and make me faster and just keep me doing something in the spring rather than sitting on my butt doing nothing. Yeah, but I mean, was there an end game in the back of your mind? Was it uh, you know I I want to yeah. uh, be well off when I get older. I want to make it to the NFL. Yeah. I want to. I, I mean, was there a reason get a you football were... scholarship or some sort of scholarship? I would not go to college. So it was for because I could college. Not, I could not afford it. We could okay. not afford for me to go to college. I just took out loans and stuff, mm -hmm. stuff like that. But I knew that if I wanted to go to school beyond high school, I would have to get a scholarship to go play somewhere, uh, some in some sport. So I knew that in the back of my mind. 
you were uh, 5'10", 160 pounds <laughs> yeah. as a sophomore in high school. I know that yep. story's been come that, that of legend. But you yeah. then at some point uh, break your wrist. You go to the doctor, and what does the doctor tell you about how big I you're going to get? dislocating my, my left wrist my junior year. I was 6'1", my junior year. I grew okay. like three inches a year in high school. It was really weird. But I was still skinny. I was 6'4", 190 my, my senior year. But I broke my wrist my junior year and dislocated it, my other wrist, not the right one. Um, and he told me I was going to be six seven. You know, you have these growth plates in your wrist and mm -hmm. whatever else they are on your body. Told me I could be six seven. I was like, well, I'm going to be really tall. Ended up stopping at six four, which was a good height for me. I didn't want to be a defensive end, so six four worked out pretty good for me. I mean, over the course of four years, you go from five ten, hundred and sixty pounds to yeah. what? I mean, six four one ninety. I, mean, I didn't take anything. I just started, I, had, I hit my growth spurt and and I finished. I, like I said, I finished up at 190, 195. I mean, my that's two year. years. I yeah, mean, two, I mean, two, was, yeah, two years. I mean, my sister was the same way. She grew really fast, too. My brother kind of plateaued off there, but my sister and I grew really, you know, we had a couple of years where we grew a bunch there. And then a couple of years later in college, you're up to 240. Yeah, right? I get to college. At, I actually put some weight on before I went to college the summer before I went. I was, um, I got there like 210, and I ended up at 245 after my, you know, they put you on the supplements, stuff I couldn't afford in high school. They put you on the creatine, the protein. And all you do is lift, lift and eat. My, mm -hmm. The whole spring, and there's no other sports in college. You play football. So during season, you do that. And then in the off season, you just train to get big. So we trained and, and we ran and lifted. And I was 245 at the end of my, my freshman year. <laughs> and I stayed there until I got done. And I, was, I maintained that weight all throughout college. That's amazing. I know. I was 5'10", 160. It was crazy to, to sophomore year 85 high school pounds to... in, in three years. Right. But I, I wasn't, I was growing tall. So it worked yeah. out good. I, I got the height. And then I finally put on the weight. My body fat was low. I, it was good weight, but I just, um, my body filled out really quick. If coming out of high school, you were only offered one Division One scholarship, and that was University of New Mexico. And I yeah. know you briefly already touched on this, but if you didn't end up getting that scholarship, how do you think your career would have wound up differently? I don't know. I think I would have found a way to play football somewhere because I felt like I was decent for high school there and I think I could have played somewhere. You know, after I committed to UNM, there were some other people talking to me about coming to play them. For some reason, they wanted to make sure I was going somewhere else before they could talk to me to come play at their school for some reason. So that was frustrating. But um, I wanted to go to Texas Tech really bad, but they, uh, they told me I could come walk on over there. And we, like I said, we couldn't afford that. But um, I, I really think I'd still be in Lovington right now if I hadn't got a scholarship to go play somewhere. Really? Yeah, I might have played somewhere, but I don't think I would have fulfilled my potential the way I did in the med school. It was a perfect situation for me with Coach Long coming in my last two years, like I said, let me be a football player. Because if I hadn't done all those different things in college, I wouldn't have got drafted where I got drafted. You know, I think it would have been a lot different for me. What do you think you'd be doing in Lovington? Probably working on the oil field, which what everybody else does. You know, that oil's booming down there right now, so that's probably what I would have been. That's what my dad did. That's what everyone I know does. So that's just the oil field business and industry down there. You did not start your freshman or sophomore years of college. And while I know yeah. you don't remember this, uh, your best friend Brandon says, end of freshman year, due to the lack of playing time you'd received, you actually strongly considered possibly transferring to a non-Division One school, Eastern New Mexico. Yeah. Um, around that time in your life, like, what did you think the likelihood was of having a successful college career and then potentially going to the NFL? After my freshman year, I didn't think it was very good. You know, I didn't get on the field. I played all four special teams. I lost my red shirt, but all I did was play special teams the whole year. It was a wasted year, but it worked out good for me because I still got to play and travel with the team. Um, and the last game of the year, I think I played 10 snaps on defense. We played Utah, and I got in for 10 plays at linebacker. But, um, you know, it's, I guess you had to pay your dues. My sophomore year, I didn't start, but I played just as much as the guy who started. We'd rotate series. It was really weird. We had two really you good You led the team in tackles. I did, but we had two really good linebackers that were seniors. So one of them played in front of me, and Blake Irwin played. He started all four years of his career. He was really good. I was not behind him. I was behind Bart. But they, they deserved to start. You know, I didn't like it, but that's the way it, that's the way it was going to be. <clears throat> um, but I did lead the team in tackles my sophomore year, not playing the whole time, but you know, it was a good learning curve. Playing behind those guys, you learn how to play football. And they did teach me a lot, not only on football, but the weight room as well, how to train. Because Olympic lifts became really big in college. You know, we, I did them in high school, but we did more and more in college. And they were big guys in the weight room. Uh, um, <clears throat> Lovington, New Mexico, where you spent the majority of your upbringing, population, I think, under 10,000. Yeah. Up until a few years ago, if you lived there, you only needed to know four digits to call somebody else who lived yeah. there. I think the nearest mall was Great. like hour and a half away. Well, they, the, yeah. the country club only had nine uh, holes of golf. How would you describe what it, it was like there? I love growing up there. You know, there was not a lot to do. So, um, 
what what you did. I mean, you had a lot of obviously made a bunch of good friends growing up there. But we played sports all the time. If if it was summertime and we didn't have anything to do, we'd go play a home run derby at the baseball park. We would we play football on the street. We played low goal basketball. We'd go find some. Um, there's a couple of the elementary schools that had eight foot rims, so we go play low goal all. We call it low goal all day long. You know, we could dunk back then we could, on an eight foot rim. We could dunk. So we'd play you know two three hours a day. Um, we just found stuff to do in the summer times. I'd mow yards for money. When I was in seventh grade, I started mowing yards. Eighth grade, we did the same thing. Ninth grade, ninth and tenth grade, I worked at the pool. The, the I was only, a lifeguard. The only practice you ever missed in football. Oh, they, they, my God. My they, they, year. They, 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 everybody's like, where's Brian? And you were mowing somebody's lawn. <laughs> yeah, I was. That sounds bad. But I, I didn't realize, as a sophomore in high school, I didn't realize that you had to be at practice every day. So we had, my buddy and I, we had our schedule of yards we had to mow. Um, every week we'd mow the same yards, and plus it was good cash. You know, we split 14 bucks, that's seven bucks a piece back then. That's a lot of money. So we would, um, I had to mow a yard that day, and I didn't know that you didn't have to go to football practice. I thought you could miss when you wanted to. That was a bad idea. And I lived right by the football field, which was bad. I lived two blocks over, so he had Coach Face sent guys to my house to see where I was. My mom goes, he's mowing yards. You know, he has to do, he, she didn't know either. Um, but that was the first and last practice that I ever missed in high school, or any level, I think, for, for other not being sick. Um, so your parents, your your biological dad, Brad, and your mom, um, yeah. I think, got married when your mom was 16. By yeah. the time she was... Gosh, my mom. By, by the time she was 19, had, had three, three kids. Yep. Um, they were high school sweethearts. Uh, they end up getting divorced by the time your mom's 25. But yeah. before they got divorced, um, they you guys lived in Pasco, Washington. Mm-hmm. Talk about kind of growing up there yep. on the yeah. dairy farm up until, I guess, around kindergarten, first grade. My time. mom's dad, my granddaddy, and my grandma, they owned a dairy farm up there, like 5,000 cows. I can't, maybe it wasn't that many, but it seemed like a ton. So we lived on their dairy, uh, you know, stunk. You know, I like that smell. People, you know, there's, I live in you Arizona, like- I have a home in Arizona, and there's some feedlots around there, and about 4.30, every that smell rolls through there, and I was like, ah, oh, it feels like I was a kid again. But um, <laughs> then we grew up on the, on the dairy. Um, we'd, we'd wake up every day and run to my grandparents' house and eat breakfast, and we had fresh milk, obviously, because they milk cows every day, so we had the, the, the pre, um, was it homogenized, whatever they, the, just, it was straight from the cow we, on the, to the table, we'd drink it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I grew up there, you know, we um, feed the cows, we do everything, run around my grandpa all day. What do you do on the farm? Nothing. I mean, we screw around with it. I remember stacking hay bales, you know, because you got that many cows, that's a lot of hay to feed them. So we yeah. stack the hay. I can't remember if Granddaddy cut his own hay or grew his own hay or not, but for some reason, well, I remember throwing a lot of hay bales around when I was a kid. It's fun. Oh, it was a great time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing better than throwing 50-pound hay bales when you're six, seven years old. Um, after after they, they got divorced, your mom, I guess, wanted to be closer to her parents, mm-hmm. so she moved. You, were, so my grandma it? and granddad sold the dairy, okay. and they moved to New Mexico. Okay. And then shortly after that, my mom and dad got divorced, so we moved. We followed them to Lovington. That's yes, so you, your brother, your sister. Mm-hmm. Um, but times were tough. I, I think your mom worked three jobs <laughs> yeah, at my one mom. Point. What, what do you recall from that, the three jobs? Well, she was... As, I remember as much as she worked, she was still always at every event we did, whether it was Little Jillbers basketball, Little League baseball, my sister's sports events, whatever it was, she was always there. For, for working three different jobs, you know, at the grocery store, she did everything. She was all over the place. You know, she worked at the youth center. Um, she was always at our stuff. She, she, was, she was there at practices. She was there at games. She never missed for a woman who worked as hard as she did for her three kids. Being a parent now, what about that most impresses you? It's hard to, I mean... It's, it's just we're working one job for me. You know, we have to be there all the time. We have a set. It's hard to make to all your kids' stuff. We just have one job, and she and she had three kids and three different jobs, and she was always at our stuff. Just shows you, I think, what was important to her were her kids. You know, and she did whatever she could to make sure that we had it. We didn't have a lot, but we always had enough when I was a kid. Your uh, biological dad, mm-hmm. Brad, who died from a dirt bike wreck, a- accident. Yeah. Um, you guys really didn't have much of a relationship, but your mom ends up remarrying, uh, marries a gentleman by the name of Troy Leonard. Mm-hmm. While they later divorced, he played uh, a significant role in, in your upbringing. I, I think he was uh, a truck driver, worked on the oil field, yeah. and you said um, he really taught you to kind of strive for something. Yeah. W- what did you learn from him? He was a working man. That's what my dad, um, I consider him my, I call him dad. And like he said, my real father passed away. And I think I was 25, it was during training camp of my fifth year. We were down, we were playing the Rams, and we, he had yeah, the motorcycle wreck, and he passed away. It was, you know, we weren't close, but we were still, I mean, still my dad, you know, so that was tough. But my, uh, my dad, uh, Troy, uh, just 
I think my mom got married when when I was in seventh or eighth grade, I think they were. And he just, he was a working man. He was an oil field. And when the oil field wasn't good, he was a truck driver. When the oil field got good again, he went back to the oil field. He just worked it. I mean, he was gone at five and home at six every day. That, that's the way it was. You know, he was always gone. He was always working. Um, very stern man. You know, I remember during high school, we could have one phone call a night and it was 10 minutes and that's it. That's what you got. Maybe maybe it was up from like eighth grade on. So if you had a girlfriend, my girlfriend knew, hey, I could talk for 10 minutes between <laughs> between these hours and that's all I got. If Casey or Sherry is on the phone, nah, we're, I can have to see you at school, I guess. But he was tough, man. We, uh, we had rules. We had curfew every day. You didn't miss curfew. We had a board named Uncle Henry. I was going to say the two by four, right? Day. It, was a, it was big. And he wrote on there, he put Uncle Henry. And if you screwed up or you got in, in big enough trouble, you got to meet Uncle Henry. So. <laughs> It was, it was fun. You know, he was stern, and we had rules, and we followed him. But I think that's why I ended up the way I did, and my sister, and my brother, as well. What, why? What about that? Do you think really shaped you? Just doing things the way that we thought they were supposed to be done. You know, um, we didn't get in trouble a lot. We we're, were never in trouble. None of us. Uh, we didn't get in trouble with the law. We didn't. You know, we've we've all screwed up. We know that. I've done some stupid stuff, and so have they. But um, we um, we just did things the right way. I think just because of not just because of my dad, because of my mom was my mom was a she was mean too. You know, she would beat our butts, I think, more than my dad did. <laughs> because I think she felt like she had the right, because she was our real mom, so she could spank us whenever she wanted to. But I think I got one swap with Uncle Henry from my dad. I think my mom got, got me a few times with the belt or her hand, whatever she could find at the time. Your mom ends up passing away unexpectedly in mm -hmm. 2011 at the age of 51. Yeah. Um, how did you find out about that? Uh, I remember that it was a Tuesday. Um, after, so we played, it was the first game of the season versus Atlanta. I had a great game, probably the best game I had in five years. I had a pick, I had a pick, I had a fumble recovery for a touchdown. I had uh, one of the best games I played in a while. And Tuesday, I came home from work, too. I went to get in the cold tub at work and whatever like I always do on Tuesday morning. And I got a call from one of her neighbors um, telling me what happened. I didn't believe him. I said, shut the F up. <laughs> so I don't know if I can say it or not, but I said, right. I thought someone was playing with me. But uh, they called me and I called my brother and called my sister. and. Just went from there. Um, what was, in, I mean, it was a call. Yeah, you found that from a neighbor? Yeah, one of her really good friends was her neighbor and uh, they, they ended up finding her in her house. What do you miss most about her? Her laugh. <laughs> My mom was contagious, man. She was so fun. Uh, just her laugh and her her positiveness and how fun she was to be around. You know, I miss, my kids miss her the most, you know, because that's their Nana. You know, they were around her for a bunch and she loved her grandkids. but her laugh and how much fun she was and just she always took care of us. She always wanted to make sure everything was okay with us even um, when we are, now we're all grown up but she still wanted to take care of us. She'd come here and she'd cook every day. She would clean. I'm a mom, you don't need to clean my house. I can do it myself, you know, and she, even though I don't. But she, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she, she's always wanted to do stuff and take care of us even after, you know, even though we're all grown up and we have lives of our own. What about the text messages? Oh, my mom was a text message machine, <laughs> you know. I. Uh, I'd have to send back short answers so she so I'd end our conversation because she would just text me all day if I didn't uh, if I didn't send back short answers I think she would just talk to me all day which you know it's good your mom you should do that but you know we all sounds every, like my mom. every once in a while your moms get a little annoying and she was the same way uh, but she um, I don't I didn't talk on the phone a lot you know I wasn't my phone guy plus I could text it was easier to say hi what are you doing what's going on love you bye it's, it's so much easier over text message but she we had some long conversations over text message. Uh, the media, you, mm -hmm. you touched on it a bit, bit earlier. How do you view the media? It's, a, it's, a, it's necessary to have the media, I, I think so. Just um, that not as necessary as some of them think it is because our game is going to be popular no matter what. People love football. You know, I, I think that the media helps get our game out there and, and see different sides of players that you wouldn't see if it wasn't for the media. But people love football. They're gonna to go to our games no matter what. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it is. It, whether you write your article or you tell your story, people are still gonna to go to our games and watch our games. They love football. Right, I mean, right. And in fairness, I guess, to the media, maybe there were, they played a much more significant role earlier on in popularizing it, whereas now the yeah, yeah, NFL is well, a beast me, on it. Right? Yeah, right, yeah. right. <laughs> you know, so uh, I think the, most, the, the media's number one job is to piss me off, number one. I'm just afraid. <laughs> you know, I, I, I had a lot of uh, good times and bad times with the media. I think most of the bad times were because of me. I was just, really? I was so hard-headed. I didn't want to deal with them. I, was, um, I, I hated being criticized like most people do, but... Because I know, I know when I play bad. I know when I make a mistake. You don't have to tell me. I know exactly when I screw up, and my teammates know too. Because I'll tell them I was my fault or this and that. I don't need to have it brought back to my memory over and over or talked about all week long. It's just, 
that's what's frustrating to me. I know when I screw up more than anybody, and no one's harder on themselves than I am when I, when I was uh, making those mistakes. But um, but I also had a lot of fun with the media. You know, we, there were some good. I had some good times in the uh, every Thursdays when I had to talk to the media, and I, was, I dreaded that day. But I had some good times back at the media room with them as well. So I think. Yeah, would you really dread that day? I mean, would you when it was well, coming? Were it would yeah, I would. You know, okay. it was every Thursday after I walked through, I had to go do it. Lovey said, "Look, you get this guy one day a week. This one's going to be." So I, I knew when it was, but um, I um, I did dread Thursdays. And for a while, you were giving one word answers. That, was, that really worked out good for right? me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Seemingly went over fire. Like, what what did you dislike? I just, I really, I can't pinpoint one thing. Like I said, I just. I don't, you, talking bad about me is okay. I can deal with that, whatever I can move forward. But I just, it drove me nuts when I talk bad about my teammates over and over. And guys that I didn't think deserved it, I don't think anyone deserves it. Mm-hmm. But obviously some guys do. And it drove me nuts when they would talk bad about my teammates and just stay on them all, all season long or all week long, however long it was. You know, they write bad articles. No one says anything bad about them. You know, they have bad interviews. Like maybe this is going to be a bad interview for you. Yeah. No one's going to say anything bad about you. It's going to be about the oh, other yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. It, gets, <laughs> it yeah, really yeah. made me mad when people talk bad about my teammates. That pissed me off more than anything. Even if it's a guy I didn't like. And there weren't very many guys I didn't like, but there's a couple. And even when the media talked bad about them, it pissed me off, and I want to stand up for them. What's the criticism from the media that you received during your career that bothered you the most? Um. <sighs> That's a good question. You know, like like you said, the perception that I wasn't physical or that I wasn't, I can't get off blocks. Look at the film. You know, I, I always say, look at the, there's plenty of plays of me getting off blocks, making plays, or I was physical, this and that. Um, I don't understand where that perception came from. I and mean, like I said, maybe it's because I wasn't a jerk on the field. Uh, maybe it's because I was a jerk to them and not to the players in the field. <laughs> I, I did the reverse. <laughs> you know, I was, I was mean to the media and nice to the guys in the field. I don't know. I don't really care uh, what it was. It was always something I feel like between us. Um, you know, th- there was one thing. Uh, my son, I had a situation with my, when my son was born with the media, and they put my son's picture on the front page of the paper, and that really pissed me off. You know, I think that for two or three years there, I was just mad at everyone. I, I was not happy. Um, you were mad at everybody in the media because of In the media that, for putting or? my son's picture on the front page of the paper. I didn't think he deserved that. You know, he, it wasn't his fault. You know, he didn't ask to be in that situation. That, you put my picture on there, not his, but that really made me mad with the way they handled the whole situation with my son and me going back and forth to court with his mother. Um, that really pissed me off a lot. If you had, to, if you had a do-over for mm-hmm. that time during that kind of personal period of your life, mm-hmm. would you have done anything differently? Not one thing. Not, not on my end, I wouldn't have. No way. Not one chance. Um, Jay Cutler, mm-hmm. uh, your you know former teammate and, mm-hmm. and quarterback of the Bears, why do you think the relationship between the two of you wasn't as close as it could have been? Um, well, it was a tough situation with him coming in. You know, they traded two first round picks for him. They got rid of our quarterback Kyle Orton at the time, who who I didn't think needed to be traded in the first place. I thought he he was our guy. You know, we won games with him. He did the things that as a defensive player you needed. He didn't turn the football over. He gave us a chance to play defense, you know. Uh, so I was mad when they traded him in the first place. I didn't understand it, but also excited. You know, we got a quarterback who can possibly take us to a Super Bowl. You know, Jay Cutler is one of you know first round pick. This you know, all these great arm this this and that, but uh, it just you know, he's offense, I'm defense. We didn't get a chance to interact as much as um, as we should have maybe. What was was it true that at one point the two of you had to be separated? No, I, I heard that too. That was early when he got there. That never happened. Uh, I, I never had a altercation with my teammates in the locker room. In practice, we fight all the time. Jay and I never fought in practice. We mm-hmm. talk a lot right. just to keep practice interesting, but we never had to be separated in the locker room or anything like that. I don't know where that came from or who made that up, but that was there was never anything close to that. But, but I mean, admittedly, probably the, the relationship could have been uh, you two could have been closer. There was something somewhere where something happened. <clears throat> I mean, I understand, like, out of all the teammates you had since you retired, who like who's the one person that hasn't called or texted? Yeah, well, I did, I, I did not hear from Jay out of all the guys I play with. Uh, but that's just you know maybe we weren't as close as like you said as we could have been. Uh, that's just the way it is. I should let you know where you stand with people. But um, it's not his job to text me. It's not maybe that's just that's the nice thing, which is fine. You know that's the way it is. Um, I feel like I stood up for him a lot more than anybody else did over the, the past three or four years in the media. Um, because that guy takes a lot of grief too. <laughs> I feel bad for him because he takes a lot of heat from the media too. 
Um, but that's like a, that's our business. Guys are going to take grief, and that's the way it goes. Yeah, there ha on a serious note, and it's interested to get your feelings on this. There has been a rumor <clears throat> that Jay at least had some involvement in encouraging the Bears to part ways with you. Uh, if, if, someone told when, me about that too. What, like, what was your reaction when? In the end, heard it's the that? Bears' decision. That's my reaction to that. You know, Phil Emery is the one who makes that decision. He's the one who makes all personnel decisions, according to him. That's what he says. Mm -hmm. um, so it was his decision not to bring me back, not um, <clears throat> not Jay's or anyone else. In, in the end, Phil had the final say on it. I, I mean, do you believe he would have had any involvement in it? I, I find that hard to believe, honestly. You know, it's 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 coming from a player. It's hard to go up there and say, hey. We, I can't do what I want to do if you bring this guy back. That'd be tough to do, I think, especially going up to management and our boss and saying something like that to him. The last question on that, to what extent <clears throat> would it surprise you if he would have said something, Jay Cutler would have said something to management? Would it surprise me? Yes, it would. It honestly would. You know, I, Like I said, there's, a, there's not a lot of conversations that go on between us and management as players, so it would be, you know, it would be, He'd have to go out of his way to do it. I don't think he would do that. Yeah. Uh, um, retirement and mm -hmm. the, uh, how things ended with, with the, the Bears. You were a free agent uh, 2013 offseason. The, the Bears, as I understand, essentially contacted your camp and said, look, yeah. you know, we don't want to disrespect Brian, so you guys make us an offer. Yeah. Tell us what you want. Explain what happened from there. That's what was happened for the most part, but then, but that didn't happen until after the combine. You know, I think uh, free agency is a few weeks after the combine or right around the combine, whatever. So we're, we're getting close, and they could have negotiated with me the whole time up to there just to get it out. If they would have wanted me back to get it out of the way, that never happened. They, and then in the end, they said, "Hey, you know, won't you guys make us an offer? We don't want to disrespect Brian in any way," which is basically saying right there, if you think you're going to disrespect him, you probably are. You know, they knew what they what they were going to offer in the back of their minds or on paper, or whatever. So my agents made an offer. It was too high. We knew it was too high. You know, we knew that's not what we're going to settle for. Bears came back with their offer. Um, however long, it was three weeks later, two weeks later. So we made another offer. And the Bears, so, I mean, you, you made an offer, then you didn't hear from them for two or three yeah, weeks? Yeah, we didn't hear from them. You know, they said, we'll get back to you, so-and-so. Never did. Just kept waiting. And then they made that. They countered with their offer. My agent said, well, that's not anywhere close to what we were thinking. So we made another offer. And they said, no, this is the offer. Their initial, this, this is what it is. This is what we're willing to give him and what we think he's worth. So take it or leave it. So I think it, from the very beginning, that's what they had in mind. They knew that they weren't going to move off of that offer. Uh, I just wish they had told me that. Now I wish they had said, hey, you know, we have this amount of money for you. We think this, this is all we can pay you. If you want to play, we want you back. We want you to play for us. This is a situation. We, we can pay you this. Um, we, we want to bring a young guy in behind you. Maybe he'll start, whatever. But we want you here on our team. We want this. If you're going to retire, we want you to retire here. This will be your last year. Um, but it's all we can pay you. I think that would have been a lot more respectable way to do it instead of the way they handled it. And I probably actually would have stayed. Honestly, I probably would have played another year there if that's the way it had been handled. But I was so mad at it, the way it was handled, and I thought it was just wrong the way it all went down. From the time your agent hung up the phone, telling the Bears that you weren't going to accept yeah. uh, the counteroffer that they mm -hmm. had made. How quickly did they make a press release after the that? The Bears had a tweet out, I, I'm not playing 30 seconds after my agent hung up the phone with them, because my agent called me and goes, you're not going to believe this. They goes, I hung up the phone. So they basically, in essence, had a statement already written saying that he's not going to come back next year, because they released it 30 seconds after we got off. My agent hung the phone up, and it was out, because my phone started blowing up right when uh, Right after I got the phone with him. What was your reaction when you saw that tweet come out? I, I was not surprised at the way the whole situation was handled. I told Bryce, you know, Bryce, I said, I don't have a good feeling about this because we hadn't talked to the Bears about it all offseason long. We hadn't talked anything about my contract or me coming back or anything along those lines. So I don't have a good feeling about this. I don't it, think they and, want me back. And that's much different than past negotiations. That well, you I never got to be a free agent before. Okay. They yeah. always took care, you know, past management it took care of it early so it didn't get to that point. And it didn't happen, obviously, with the new GM that way, which is fine. You know, maybe I wasn't one of his guys or not someone he didn't want around, whatever. But I just wish they had told me what was going on the whole time instead of beating around the bush and, and drawing it out. When you saw that tweet or the press release, what was your immediate reaction? I just knew that they knew in the back of their minds they didn't want me back. Okay. You know, I just I went to show me right there that they, they knew what was going to happen. They, they were ready for it. And, you know, they were ready to move on, which is fine. You know, that's just that's the way they wanted it to, go, to happen. So when deciding whether or not to continue playing, 
uh, whether or not they continue playing. Uh, you and your agent and close friend Bryce put together a list of, or Bryce at least put together a list of pros and cons yeah. uh, from stats to teams to money to the potential of winning a championship. But when it ultimately came down to it, like when you were going through the thought process yourself, mm -hmm. what were you thinking about? Was it worth it for me to keep going? Did, did I really want to keep doing it? You know, the, was my desire there to play? And in the end, uh, it, it was definitely not there. You know, I was working out. I worked out all season. I, uh, my knee was actually finally feeling great. Dang it. <laughs> my knee was feeling good after a year later. It finally felt good again. Uh, and I was working out, but I was not working out with a purpose. I was working out to maintain what I had. And I didn't feel like I was getting any better. You know, I, uh, I, I worked out by myself, which is not quite as fun. I was working out with your teammates. <laughs> I'd always worked out with my teammates in the past, and this is the first year that I had to go. I had to be there on my own, just doing my own thing. And it's it's hard to do that. And your, I think your desire and your will to do to get better kind of leaves you a little bit. Because you know, at the time after it was clear that you wouldn't be coming back with the Bears, you basically said, "Look, I've worked too hard this off season to, to retire." To play for someone, yeah. Right. Um, I mean, what were were you kidding yourself, or did you not? Did well, I honestly thought I'd have a chance. There'd be more options out there, and there wasn't a lot of options. You know, there, there's not a lot. There was not a lot of people interested, um, and that's really. You know, I, I probably could have waited until maybe June or July, mm -hmm. and maybe got a call. But I didn't want to do that. You know, yeah. I, I and I honestly did not want to play for anyone but the Bears. I can't picture me traveling. You know, go renting a place somewhere, staying there for you know uh, six months, and then being done. I didn't want to do something like that. It's too hard. My kids to travel and stuff like that to games. Um, so I didn't want to play for anyone but the Bears. And there's really no amount of money that could have taken me. You know, I mean, I say that. I mean, no, that someone would have paid me. You know, to to get me to come back. Um, and I had my mind made up probably in in April. I said I talked to Bryce, and he was like, "Oh, you know, you still might want to play." And I said, "Yeah, I do want to play, but." Am I? Do I really want to? Have I done the things that I need to play to, to my body and physically, and mentally to, to be out there? You know, and I and I hadn't done those things. And then in May, I was like, I don't want to play. It's nice getting up, not having to worry about man, I, where am I going to work out today? What a, when, when I travel, the number one thing is where are you going to work out? Mm -hmm. You know, you get up, you're like, where's the gym? What am I going to do? And that's not an issue for me anymore. <laughs> and it wasn't allowed this, this off season, so that was a nice thing to to kind of. It was a new experience for me. And you wanted to retire a bear. A bear, yeah. I mean, uh, it, the retirement didn't happen the way that it probably should have or the way um, some people would have wanted it, but it was the way I wanted it. For, for what happened, it was the way I wanted it to happen. You said you were quoted uh, somewhere saying this, and I thought it was interesting. Uh, quote, I'm sure I'll miss when it's time to put the pads on and stuff, but I won't miss how my body feels when I'm done. Yeah, after uh, the game. Elaborate on that if you don't mind. Football's a rough game. The more you play, the more it takes its toll on your body. The older you get, the harder it is to recover. Um, I loved playing football. I love getting ready for games. I love practice. I love meetings. I didn't love meetings, but I like hanging on my teammates all day. <laughs> that was fun. But the worst part is after the games, you're just beat up, man. You're rough. It takes you a couple of days, two or three days to get ready to go for next week. And I do not miss that. I don't miss training camp right now. I don't miss uh, those sorry preseason games. I don't miss any of that. Uh, you've also said you're relieved that it's over. What did you mean yeah. by that? Just the, like like I said earlier, the, the relief of not having to get up and the strain uh, that, of working okay. out and eating right and, you know, I need to eat right now because I don't want to get fat. But the eating, you know, the, the, the dieting and the working out, just the relief of getting up and like, you know what, I don't play golf today. I don't want to go work out. I'm going to go to the golf course instead. Or just be, the relief of being able to do whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do, and not having your life revolve around working out or going to meetings or anything like that. Uh, you've been asked several times since you retired how you want your career to be looked back on. Yeah. And your answer to every question like that has started with, as a great teammate. Yes. Why yes. is that so important to you? Because my teammates mean everything to me. I, I play with so many different guys, and I play with a lot of the same guys as well while I was there. Patrick Manley was there my whole career. You know, He was there the whole time. Peanut and, and Lance were there for 10 years of it. Um, I just want to be a guy who was a good teammate, who, someone, and I feel like I, I have a lot of guys still call me now and ask me for questions, ask me questions or advice and, you know, money, whatever it is. You know, <laughs> I feel like they, but the guys trust me for some reason. You know, I, I feel like I was a good teammate, and that's how I want to be remembered. You know, all the other stuff, playing, winning games, losing games, whatever, that's never really been an issue to me. But I, I want to be remembered as a good teammate and a guy that my teammates can count on. Uh, your charitable work over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you've done everything from had a new weight room built at your high school to provide 
providing shoes for all of the varsity athletes at the high school to visiting terminally ill patients in the hospital, uh, among many other yeah. things. How about the charitable work that you've done that's had the biggest impact on you? Well, being able to do stuff for my high school is a big deal for me because we didn't have a lot. I know buying shoes at basketball season time was stressful in my family because we didn't have a lot of money to get shoes. So I thought it'd be cool that I had a great Nike contract. I was with Nike my whole career. How awesome is that? You know, 13 years at the same company. So Nike, we worked out a deal where they would take care of my high school. All the varsity sports, they would come out of my allotment of my, uh, my money every year and they would give all the shoes all the team's uh, shoes, which was really cool, you know. And my fo the football team got a little more because, you know, I was a football guy. But um, the, the coolest thing for me was, um, I think at, at Christmas time the last couple of years, I would run around to hospitals or uh, go to people who, who are less privileged who didn't have a lot. We'd take presents and we'd, we, my kids and I, a couple of years, we'd go to, we'd have ch shopping sprees at Target, you know, $25,000 shopping sprees for 50 different families, you know, just stuff like that that, People normally wouldn't get a chance to do if it wasn't for, for me or guys like me in my situation with the means that I have to do stuff like that. So that was probably my favorite thing to do. The hospital visits were great and awesome, but at the other time, heartbreaking because you see things that you just you don't want that should not be happening to kids that are my kids' age. You know that they were gut wrenching at the same time, but you know we put a smile on their face for a little bit, so it was nice. Uh, NFL rules. Mm -hmm. um, your thoughts on the rule uh, changes the yeah. NFL have implemented in recent years? Which ones are we talking about now? Um, but, I mean, all, all the... The can't hit rules? Re yeah. I don't like them. <clears throat> Obviously, I'm a defensive guy. I don't like them, but I'll tell you what, they had to do it. You know, you got to So you protect. can understand it. I understand it 100%. Roger Goodell has a tough job. You know, that guy... I have a lot of respect for him because he has a tough job, but he does a good job. And he, is this you talking because you know you might be interviewing him no, at some point? No, because I know that I can't imagine doing what he does. He has yeah. to play both sides, you know. He has to, and, and the one thing I really like about what he does is, is there's no gray area with him. If you do this, this happens. If you do that, that happens. There's no in-between with him. If you do something, this is going to happen to you. That's all there is to it. He's it, very stern, and I like that. I like to know if I screw up, this is going to happen. So don't screw up. You don't have to worry about it. But the rules... Um, it's frustrating as a defensive guy because you cannot hit. You have to think about, before you hit someone, you better think about where you want to hit them and how you're going to hit them. And it's hard enough to tackle guys in this league thinking about, not thinking about that, you know, with just normal rules. It's hard to get guys down now. And I just wish there was more rules for the defensive guys with the cut blocks and the crackbacks. And I know they're taking measures, but the cut blocks got to go. And then the offensive guys will say, you know what, we can't, we can't do what we want to do if we can't cut block. Well, you know what, we can't do what we want to do if we can't hit you in the mouth. Because our, our whole style is based on being physical. And if we can't be physical with you, then you know, that, that takes away from the way we want to do. Tell about why you would still lie to cover up a concussion. Because that's obviously <laughs> yeah, gotten you know, a lot I of think, news when yeah, you said yeah. it. Yeah, you know as a player when you're dinged up and when you're not dinged up. You know, there's, there's points in the game where you hit someone you're like, oh, shit, that was a good hit. Yeah. And you're dinged up for a second. And the NFL may deem that as, oh, that's concussion-like symptom. You're out. You're done for the game and the next game. When in reality, it was just like, whoa, man, you're going to get rattled sometimes. I mean, high school, it happens. It's football. There are going to be times where you get dinged up and you're like, dang, that was a good hit. And you kind of get blurry. But then two seconds later, you're fine. You know, I guess that's just that happens. But there are times where you get a concussion, where you you're, you hit someone, you fall asleep before you hit the ground or you get up and you don't remember what happened. You need to take a break. Mm -hmm. I understand so, that. But so that's where you would that's draw where the line. The, uh, there's big concussions. No, you understand, as a player, we understand what, what the difference is. But there's times where you get dinged up during a game where you don't need to miss the next game because of it, I don't think. To, to what extent are you concerned about the lasting impact that playing could have on your life? Um, personally, uh -huh. none. I, I mean, I, uh, my body feels great. I know I'm going to probably have some joint issues when I get older. And mentally, I feel like I, I had one ma major concussion in my career. I'm, a lot of mini ones, you know, like I just told you, are getting dinged here and there. But I feel like I, I came out pretty, pretty good, you know, for the most part. There are some things I forget sometimes, but I'm a guy. That's what we do. <laughs> we forget things. Uh, so we're doing, lastly, we're doing this uh, interview at your beautiful house mm -hmm. here in uh, Chicago. Uh, tell us a little bit about the place. I have 13 acres here in the woods, uh, here in, right around Lake Forest area uh, here in Chicago. Um, I've been here, this will be 10 years I've been here in this house. I love it. You know, I live, my kids, we have animals out back running around. We have a pond, we have a basketball court, we have an in-ground trampoline. Uh, we have a I have a golf green out back so I can hit some golf balls. Um, you know, I've just spent 10 years getting this place the way I like it, you know, just so we don't have to leave. 
Uh, that's basically, it's nice that my kids can wake up and we can stay here all day and there's plenty of land. I don't want to hear them complaining about being bored because there's plenty of crap to do here. Um, so we, uh, we just keep adding stuff and making it more fun. Nestled <clears> behind <throat> the privacy of a gate, you have yes. a favorite feature? A favorite feature? The golf green. I put the golf green in two years ago and uh, it's one of my, the pond is nice because I can, go out, I can go back and fish in my pond whenever I want. You know, it's stocked with bass and catfish and we got some bluegills, so I can go fish whenever I want in the pond. So those two are probably my two favorites. Sport court's nice too. It, it, okay, you should just pick one though. I'll take the, I'll take the golf green. I'll <laughs> take the green, go. <laughs> yeah. Really a pleasure. Thanks, Graham. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for making the time to do this. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the In-Depth with Graham Bensinger podcast. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Graham Bensinger. And visit GrahamBensinger.com for TV times in your area. Also, don't forget to check out our YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Graham Bensinger for hours of extra content. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever else you listen. This has been the In-Depth with Graham Bensinger podcast.